Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. How many of you think it's good to have friends who are smarter than you? Good, because I got one for you tonight. One of, uh, one of the friends, one of Joy and I's uh, good friends are uh, Tony and Lisa Cook. And Tony is, Tony's, I think he's working on his 15th book right now, which is 15 more than I've written. <laughs> and uh, he's the guy, a lot of times you say, well, when you have Bible questions, who, who, do, you, who do you contact? And I know you think, it's Joy. It's not. It's, it's, uh, it, it's Tony. And uh, he, just, he just has his insight. He's, he teaches all over the world. Just got, they just got back from Turkey. He goes all over the world. He ministers all over the world. And we haven't had him back for a while. In fact, the last time we had him was in February of 2020, right before everything shut down. So we're hoping that that's not what Tony brought to... to uh, <laughs> But uh, I really think that he will be a huge blessing to you tonight. If you've never heard him, you'll, you'll be so blessed. Like I said, it's good to have smart friends and blessed friends. Give Tony Cook a hand clap. As, as you think. I promise I didn't do it. It wasn't me. But uh, I want to say thank you to the Ark Church because... You guys are hanging in there, you're progressing, you're uh, great momentum, a wonderful spirit in the house. Uh, my wife, Lisa, Lisa, would you stand up, honey? My wife and I are about to celebrate our 43rd anniversary. And um, we absolutely love Pastor Allen and Joy, and we love our times of fellowship with them. As a matter of fact, when I grew up, I want to be as cool as Pastor Allen. That is, that is absolutely one of my goals. But seriously, I want to thank you guys uh, because you give so generously to the ark. You guys have blessed us in our work and in our ministry and, and at some wonderful gifts at some very important times. And we just want to say thank you uh, so much. We've, we've been privileged to preach in 31 nations and um, just we're, we're thankful for what we get to do for the Lord. And uh, Pastor Allen mentioned our books. I do want to show a quick picture to let you see a little bit. Those are, um, we need to update this a little bit, but those are most of the books and the center stack is English and the other stacks are uh, the different languages that you see represented there. So we're just so thankful. And we do have some books out in the lobby area. And two, our, our two newest books, or two of our newest books, are a book called Miracles in the Supernatural Throughout Church History. If you want to know for a fact, based on solid historical evidence, that God has always been in the healing and miracle business, for lack of a better term, uh, for 2,000 years, we've We've studied and documented tons of evidence from, you know, all the way back to the early church fathers, through the Middle Ages, through the Reformation, and all the way up to the present time. And then our, the other new book is a book called In Search of Paul, which if you wish Paul could be your mentor, um, 
and also not just Paul could be your mentor because, I mean, you can read the Bible, but we also gathered ideas from Martin Luther and Charles Spurgeon and John Wesley. How did they train the young spiritual young people coming up under their ministry for spiritual development. Uh, that's what In Search of Paul is about. Um, but um, uh, again, thank you, Pastor Allen. You guys were so kind to us, you know, especially uh, the year before COVID, Lisa and I were on the road about 237 days and 93 of those were in other countries. And then uh, when COVID hit, our traveling schedule just came to a screeching halt, as you can understand. And, uh, but I was able to stay home. I was able to, uh, my yard finally looked like I kind of wanted it to. And uh, I was able to write more books that year because I wasn't traveling as much. But how many of you are thankful that we're kind of moving, you know, kind of beyond, you know, some of those things? And... I remember, you know, like everybody else, when that thing first happened, I thought, well, you know, this will be around for a couple weeks, then we'll get back to normal, and, you know, didn't tend to work that way, but, you know, and my heart goes out to everybody who is affected. I have friends that, you know, died from coronavirus, so please understand, I'm not making light of, I'm not, you know, minimizing in any way, but, you know, that was a year, and, and even today, I, I think fear has really been ramped up in our country, and depending on what you feed on, depending on what you focus on, uh, there can be so many things to uh, create fear and apprehension and anxiety in your life. And I saw a meme in somewhere in the middle of 2020, 2020, yeah, and I thought, boy, this kinda sums up kinda what's going on right now. Could we throw that third picture up there? Uh, looking outside to see which chapter of Revelation we're doing today. And, uh, you know, I just thought it was so amazing that just, you know, there was a period in 2020 where it appeared that coronavirus was subsiding, and, and it didn't get very far down before they announced, well, now we've got murder hornets coming into the country. How many of you remember the murder hornets? And uh, I don't know, they didn't, once coronavirus ramped back up, they didn't talk about the murder hornets anymore. But anyway, I don't know anybody that died of murder hornets. But what I want to share with you tonight is simply this. Uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Uh, we don't live in denial. How many of you know there's junk going on in the world? There always has been, and then until Jesus comes back, there always will be. Uh, but how many of you know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? I believe we have way more to be filled with faith about than we do to be filled with fear. And I love the verse that says in Isaiah where God said, no weapon that is formed against you will prosper and uh, your righteousness is of him. How many of you are glad that God has made you righteous? God has made you his very own child. Uh, God has put his seal upon you. You belong to him. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Uh, we have a future and we have a hope. 
And I just want to share some, what I believe will be encouragement with you tonight. Um, like I said, we're not denying reality. We, we understand reality. We understand what's happening in the world. We just believe in a greater reality than what the natural eye can see. A verse in Matthew chapter 24, I, this is in the Passion Translation, it, it talks about Jesus was talking about the last days. And did you know there's nothing happening in the world right now that has taken God by surprise? There is no event that is going to happen in my lifetime or your lifetime where God is going to say, boy, I didn't see that one coming. There's no event that is going to happen where God is going to say, wow, we're going to have to recall the Bible because, man, I, I didn't see that coming. And, you know, we kind of written the Bible where Jesus wins in the end, uh, but I'm not so sure anymore. No, nothing has happened. Nothing is happening that, that has God pacing the floors of heaven at night. God is not worried, God is not fretful, God is not uh, overcome with any kind of uh, torment or anxiety, and if God's at peace, guess what? We can be at peace, because we're in the palm of his hand. But Jesus talked about the reality of some problems in the last days. Matthew 24, 12, in the Passion, it says, there will be such an increase of sin and lawlessness that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. But he's saying to you, hold your hope firmly to the end and you will experience life and deliverance. So we don't have to look at all the, you know, an increase of sin, an increase of lawlessness. We don't need to even act shocked about that. Jesus said that would happen. Now, I'm not against us being salt and light and, and being a godly influence in the world. That's what we're here for. But, but Jesus said some of these things are going to happen, but he told us to hold firm to the hope that we have on the inside of us. Uh, we live in a troubled world, but we don't have to live in trouble in the world. We have peace in God. And, and I notice here that when Jesus talked about that, he said that there will be some people whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others, but their hearts will grow cold. Do you know anybody that's happened to? Do you know anybody that's walked away from the faith? Do you know somebody that loved Jesus passionately? They loved other people passionately. They loved the church passionately. Their hearts burned with passion for God and others, but for some offense, some uh, disappointment, some frustration, some situation happened that they just began to pull away from God. Can I tell you something? We need God more than we've ever needed him before. And some people unfortunately have a tendency to resist God the hardest when they need him the most. Don't do that. If you're hurt, run to God. He's the healer. If you're disappointed, run to God. He's the one that can fulfill our hopes and our dreams and our aspirations. You know, one of the things that's going to determine your future 
individually, your destiny, will you, will you receive and walk in the best and the highest that God has? A big part of that is going to be based on, I liked what Pastor Allen said about that verse about the eye, and he said that's really referring to our perspective, and he's 100% right about that. What is going to determine our destiny more than anything else is this, do we see the events of this world as a threat, or do we see them as an opportunity? I want to challenge you over the next weeks, if you hear something, if you hear something on the news, and I realize there are many things in the world that are beyond my scope of influence and yours, but when you hear things, uh, ask yourself the question, am I seeing this as a threat or am I seeing this as an opportunity? And if I will choose to see some of the challenges that come my way, if I will choose to see them not as a threat, they may be a threat in a certain way, but if I believe that no matter what comes against me, it will never measure up to God's ability to be strong and victorious on the inside of me, if I will choose to see things as an opportunity to trust God an opportunity to see God do something special on my behalf. If I believe in God more than I believe in the circumstance, that's gonna have an effect on how I go through that and how I come out of that. One minister said that opportunities energize the faithful and paralyze the fearful. Another said, we are faced with great opportunities brilliantly disguised as impossible situations. So how are we going to see these things? What is our perspective going to be? You know, the early Christians did not say, uh, look what the world is coming to. They said, look who has come into the world. And if we have faith in God more than we have faith in the world, more than faith in the news, more than faith in the negative prognostications, uh, we're going to come out strong. I want to tell you three things tonight very quickly. These are simple, but boy, these are essential for us if we're going to be solidly founded uh, on the rock and not just be blown here and blown there and, and you know, in this chaos and in this confusion and, and, and all that type of thing. I'm going to tell you three things that you and I have to really get a hold of and walk in the light of if we're going to have the kind of victory that God wants us to have in life. And I'm going to call these three elements, I'm going to call these the three greats. The three greats. How many of you believe that God wants you to be great? Let me ask you that question. How many of you believe that God wants you to be great? Well, he does. As a matter of fact, Jesus told us exactly how to be great. He said, if you want to be great, be a servant of all. Jesus isn't opposed to us walking in greatness. He just doesn't want us thinking that we're great without him. He wants us to understand that he is the source of any goodness, any blessing, any greatness in our lives. As a matter of fact, David said in the Psalms, he said to God, he said, your gentleness has made me great. 
God wants to make us great, the right kind of greatness that glorifies him. So I wanna give you the three greats tonight that will, will solidify your life, uh, strengthen your life, and the first one is what we're going to call the great commitment. The great commitment. Now probably many of you are thinking right now that this is gonna be the kind of sermon that you've heard probably at different times that I've preached many times, and, and because it, there's truth to it. Usually when you think of a sermon about commitment, what do you think is going to be communicated? That the preacher is going to tell you to be committed to God, right? How many of you know that's true? There's nothing wrong when a preacher encourages us to be committed to God, committed to prayer, committed to the Bible, committed to faithfulness, committed to the church. That is valid and that is appropriate and please don't think I'm against that in any way, shape or form, but that's not what I'm talking about right now. When I use the term the great commitment I'm not talking about your commitment to God. I'm talking about God's commitment to you. Should we be committed to him? Certainly. But is that the foundation of our faith? I hope not, because if it is, sometimes, how many of you have been sometimes not as committed as at other times? How many of you ever had a time in your life where you weren't committed to God at all? Or you're just doing your own thing. And, and, and commitment, our commitment to God can be up or down or strong or weak, that type of thing. That's why that can't be the foundation of the Christian faith. The foundation of the Christian faith is not found in my commitment to him, but it's in his commitment to us. In Matthew 16, Jesus said, upon this rock... I will build my church. Notice what Jesus said. I will build my church. As awesome as the, the, the ark is, it wasn't Pastor Allen's idea. It was Jesus' idea. And, and yes, Pastor Allen and Joy and all the team, all the leaders, all the everybody's got an important part, but, but, but above and beyond what any human can do, there is Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith, and he is building his church. He was building his church long before I was born. He'll be building his church long after I'm gone, should he tarry his coming. Jesus is the head of the church, and he's building it. And see, when you help build the church through faithfulness, through serving, through just encouraging the people around you, worshiping in part, I don't know about you, but just singing those words tonight encouraged me. I felt stronger just being in those few minutes of worship and, and singing some of those words that were so rich and powerful. Uh, that was Jesus building his church through the worship team. Everybody gets to have a part. The way you pray, the way you serve, the way you give, we're helping Jesus to build his church. And I love that very much. 
Jesus is committed to this local church and to every local church that will honor him and preach his word. Number two, the second great that we have as a foundation in our life is what we call the great commission. The great commission. I was shocked. I I recently read the results of a survey that had been done Thousands of people who are are self-professed evangelical believers, born-again believers, were asked the question, do you know what the Great Commission is? And I was shocked to find out that 51% of people who say they're born-again Christians couldn't give any semblance of, of a, an intelligible answer about what is the Great Commission. And yet it's something that is so close to the heart of God. It's something that is so uh, integral for the very reason for our existence as Christians. And, and there are two scriptures in particular that really communicate the essence of the Great Commission. And it's this, first of all, Mark 16, 15, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. See, the church, it's been said, is the only institution on earth that doesn't exist for itself. We were put here to be light, to be salt, to be a positive influence. God puts something on the inside of us so that he can radiate something from the outside of us. Jesus said also in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, he said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, ethnos, ethnic groups, all kinds of people, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. I, I like that, that you're baptizing, what, 30 tonight and 100 this weekend, that's awesome. Baptize, how many of you are thankful your church is doing its work? The church is alive. The church is doing what Jesus said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe. See, we don't just get them born again, but then there's a discipling process, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. First of all, the church is built on the great commitment. Jesus is committed to building his church. And I don't know about you, but verses that talk about God being the initiator really bless me. I love it when Jesus said in John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I like that. I like it when John said, uh, it's not that we loved him, but that He loved us. How many of you know that when you said yes to Jesus, when you uh, surrendered your life to him, when you were, and the Bible uses this term, when you are born again, it's not because you talked God into saving you, it's because 
He had already sent Jesus 2,000 years ago to die for your sins before you had ever even committed a sin, before you ever had a problem. God already had provided the solution and he knew you from before the foundation of the world and he called you unto himself. You didn't choose him, he chose you. You didn't love him, he loved you. Now, that doesn't just mean he overpowers us and forces us to accept him, but how many of you are thankful that you were able to hear the gospel and you were able to say, yes, Jesus, I accept you. You received that gift of eternal life. You received that gift of forgiveness. You received that gift of acceptance. Jesus is building his church. That is the great commitment. And part of him building us is putting so much on the inside of us that we have something then to give to the world. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Make disciples of all the nations. When Jesus uh, gave what we call the great commission, have you ever wondered why it's not just called the great mission? Why isn't it just the great mission? Why is it the great commission? That little prefix co, find it in the word cooperate, um, co-equal, uh, the little prefix co always means together, right? The reason it is the great commission is because it's a mission that we share with him. God is on a mission. God has been on a mission to rescue humanity from itself. God has been on, Jesus said the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost, right? Jesus said the son of man did not come to destroy men, but that men through him might be saved. God has a mission. Jesus has a mission. It becomes a co-mission when we partner with him in it. We mission together with God. It's his mission. It's his idea. It's his working in the earth through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, and then through his people. We embrace the co-mission when we say, God, I, I want to I partner with you in your mission to demonstrate your love to humanity. And finally, third, there is what we call the great commandment. The great commandment. Let's look at Matthew chapter 22. An individual came to Jesus and said, teacher, which is the, the great commandment in the law? Well, you know, if you know the law, not that I've counted them, but I've read people who say they've counted them and they all agree that there are 613 laws in the Old Testament, how many of you are glad that we don't have to get up every morning and go through a list of 613 things, check them off, make sure I don't do this, don't do that, don't do the other? How many of you are glad we don't have to go through a list of 613? 
people like it simple though, don't they? And, and, and 613, boy, that's a lot to remember. So God did something kind of cool. He said, well, let me just narrow it down to how many to 10. And so we ended up with the 10 commandments. How many of you think the 10 commandments are pretty good? How many of you think they're pretty good? How many of you want, how many of you want your neighbor to believe that he should not kill you? How many of you want your neighbor to believe he shouldn't steal your stuff? How many of you think it's good that your neighbor doesn't lie to you? I, the Ten Commandments are good. But, but this guy wasn't even content with ten. He said, teacher, I want, you to, I want you to boil it down to one. And so Jesus said this. He said... You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. In other words, love God with the entirety of who you are. And Jesus says, this is the first and the great commandment. Now, let me ask you this. The guy said, what's the great commandment? Jesus told him, love God with all your heart and so on. And then Jesus said, this is the first and great commandment. Question, had Jesus answered the question? Yes, but, but he wasn't content to stop there. So you have to be careful about asking God certain questions because he'll give you more than you ask for. The Bible says he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all you could ask or think. So Jesus said, and, and, meaning he's going to give the guy more than he asked for, and the second is like it. You need to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, can I tell you something? You really don't have to get up in the morning and look at a list of 613 things of what to do, what not to do. And can I tell you something? You don't need to get up and look at a list of 10 things. Are you saying we can break the 10? No, that's not what I'm saying. Jesus and Paul both taught that love is the fulfilling. I'm not giving you a license for lawlessness. I'm saying, this is what I'm saying. If you love God with all your heart, you're not going to have any other gods before him. You're not going to make any graven images of any gods. You're not going to take his name in vain. If you love your neighbor, see, under the Old Testament, see, like Matt's in here, under the Old Testament, I just couldn't kill him. <laughs> but under the New Covenant, I have to love him. And if I love Matt, I'm not going to kill him. I'm not going to steal from him. I'm not going to lie to him. I'm not going to covet his car or whatever. See, if you walk in love, if you get busy doing all the do's, you're not going to do any of the don'ts. I'm not giving you license to break any commandments. I'm saying that Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. And if I can tell you, I'm just going to close with this. What makes a difference, Justin Martyr was one of the early church 
second century leaders, and he was giving a defense of Christianity. Do you know that the early Roman world hated Christians? They hated them because the Christians just didn't cooperate with all their stuff. See, that the world was so full of paganism, and there were myriads of gods. Uh, Pastor Allen just mentioned that we just got back from Turkey. We were visiting a lot of the archaeological sites. Temples to gods by the droves. Just this god, that god, this goddess, that goddess. And the Christians refused to worship those gods. We were joking about me being the cause of the coronavirus, and you were joking, right? And, um, but see, they blamed the Christians back then when bad things happened, floods, earthquakes, plagues, famine. They blamed the Christians because those bad things happened because the gods were unhappy, because they weren't being worshipped enough. And who would not worship those deities, false as they were? It was the Christians. So anytime a bad thing happened, they blamed the Christians. But the Christians then had to give a testimony for why are we here and, and what's really the essence of who we are. Justin Martyr wrote this in one of his defenses. He said, we who formerly hated and murdered one another now live together and share the same table. We pray for our enemies, and we try to win those who hate us. In the year 252, there was a plague that swept northern Africa, and the pastor of the church in Carthage was a, a pastor named Cyprian, and the Christians were hated because everybody thought they were the reason for this plague. And, and the people were so superstitious that if, if somebody had the slightest symptom, even if they lived in a house, their own family would reject them. If somebody died in the house, they were so afraid of the contagion that they would literally throw the body out in the street and get away from it. And, and, and Cyprian called his church together and he assembled his congregation and he exhorted them to love their enemies, whereupon all went to work, the rich with their money, the poor with their hands, and they rested not till the dead were buried, the sick cared for, and the city saved from desolation. I believe that the church has always shown its brightest when the world was its darkest, we can see these times as times of threat or we can see them as times of opportunity. I choose to see these as times of opportunity. This is the church. This is the opportunity for the church to love and serve like never before. I want to encourage you tonight as I close just to walk in the great commitment. Walk in the continual knowledge that God has chosen you and, and he is committed to building the church. 
I want to encourage you to walk in the great commission. Uh, We have to think outside of our walls. We have to think about the lost, the dying, the perishing. We need to think about people who've never even heard of Jesus or have had such poor representations of him that they've never been drawn to him. And we need to walk in the light of the great commandment to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, to love our neighbor as ourself. Amen? Pastor Allen, I'll turn it to you. Thank you. Give your pastor a great hand. See, I told you this guy was smart, man. It was, uh, why don't you bow your heads with me just for a moment? I appreciate what Tony said. I love, I love the fact that uh, we have a lost and dying world to reach. And that's our job. That's what we do. We're here to bless. That's why the ark is here. It is here not just so we can group together and have church, so we can group together and reach the world and reach the people around us. And that's a blessing. Tonight, if you came and you said, you know what, Alan, I don't even know if I have a relationship with the Lord. I'm not sure, but I want to be sure. Or maybe you are there and you're kind of like I was. Maybe at one time you had a relationship with the Lord. You got away from him. And uh, you know that and he knows that. But that's not where you want to stay. We're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you come to the front. We're going to say a prayer. And this is a powerful prayer that has the ability, it's simple, but it has the ability to absolutely change your life. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're one of the ones I'm talking to, and if you're watching online, I'm talking to you as well. If you're one of the ones I'm talking to, and you say, you know, Alan, that's me. And either I, I want to be sure or I want to come back, would you pray for me? Would you shoot your hand up just real quick across the auditorium? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you for your courage. Hands have gone up all over. Anybody else? Great. Wonderful. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Now, if you didn't, if you didn't lift your hand, you're thinking, man, I really, want, I really wanted to do that. That's okay. You can still, this is still a heart prayer, and you can still pray this with us. And so if you're watching online, if you're by yourself, uh, pray it out loud. If you're with others, pray it quietly. We're going to pray, we're going to pray together as a church family. You pray it. Those of you who lifted your hands, you pray this prayer. I'll lead you in it. You pray, you pray with us. Say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. That head still bowed and eyes closed. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer in here tonight and for those that prayed online. Thank you, Father, for this, this simple, powerful prayer of accepting what Jesus has done and accepting his forgiveness changes everything, and we rejoice with them. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for new members of the family, and thank you for those who've come back home. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We hope this message has blessed you. We have services every single Sunday at 9 and 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7. We'd love to see you here. Have a great week.